You are listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. For more information about Journey, please check out our website at journeychristian.com. We are a community of fully devoted disciples of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. So if you're new with us, we are in this series called Made for More, where in light of the resurrection, we realize that we are made for eternity. But we don't have to wait until the other side of eternity to start thinking and living for eternity right now. And so the whole idea that we're talking about is how do we live our day-to-day lives, our businesses, our families, our, our schooling? How do we do that in light of eternity or through an eternal lens. And if you haven't been here, we've been challenging everybody with a a spiritual bucket list, which is just like a normal bucket list without the skydiving and without the, you know, the rodeo bull riding. Instead, it's more of a spiritual bucket list. What are the things God's calling you to do before you die? What are the things that we're called to do in light of eternity on this side of eternity? And I got to tell you some of the things that I keep hearing and seeing uh, just make me so proud to be your pastor. Not only am I reading and hearing a lot of cool things that are making the list, but y'all aren't waiting to to go at the list. As a matter of fact, this past Wednesday, there's a guy named Big John. And Big John, one of the things that's on his bucket list is to reach his neighborhood for Christ. And so he put a sign out in his front yard that said, Wednesday night, we're going to have a Bible study. And he hosted a Bible study for his neighborhood. That's pretty cool. Also heard about a husband who kind of secretly wanted to go on a mission trip. I say secretly because he didn't tell anybody. He just had it to himself because he knew that the idea of going on a mission trip wasn't feasible for their season of life because his wife had some physical challenges and he wouldn't leave her for a week to go do missions. And then last week, somebody went up to him and said, hey, I heard you signed up for the mission trip. He's like, what are you talking about? I didn't sign up for no mission trip. What he didn't realize is that his wife had called a family member to come stay with her for a week, and the wife signed up the husband for a mission trip. Isn't that cool? Some of y'all are like, we can do that? Like, we can get rid of our husbands for a week? And we can actually write that off as a godly thing? Like, I didn't know that. Some of y'all are signing up right now for your husbands. You're like, a week? This is incredible. Can kids go? Like, I get it. I would just say this, motives matter, motives matter, okay? And then I heard about a teenager who, one of the things that was on their bucket list was to go to camp. And then they didn't have the funds, never been, and somebody came alongside and said, hey, we want to take care of that and send, send the kid to camp. As a matter of fact, we're taking, uh, I think, maybe the most kids ever, we're taking 130 total people to camp between Lake County and Apopka, and we have a massive waiting list, so they went in and got... Uh, 15 more spots. They're going to take a total of 145. So if you're on the waiting list or if you're thinking, man, I missed this spot, go ahead and sign up right now. Those 15 spots are going to go by if they're not already gone. And so just grateful for how you love and pour in to not only uh, the current generation, but the next generations. And I love that. There's a story about a project manager for a construction site. And he's going around and he's just checking on the subcontractors, the workers, and he goes to three different bricklayers and he asks them all the same questions and question and gets three different answers. The question is this, what are you doing? The first person responded, I'm laying brick. The second person responded after asked, what are you doing? He says, I'm building a wall. However, the third person, when he was asked, what are you doing? He said, 
I'm building a church so that as many people as possible can hear the name and fame of Jesus. You see, all three were doing the same thing. One had an eternal lens that they saw their work through. And that's what this series is all about. This is my wife, TJ. TJ and I got to celebrate uh, an anniversary this week, 21 years of marriage. Just very, very grateful for her. Grateful, grateful. And my wife's been a teacher most of her career. And several weeks ago, she was walking out the door and she was saying goodbye. She said, and she just kind of threw this out there. She said, goodbye. I'm going to change the next generation. What was she doing? She was seeing her work through an eternal lens. This week is uh, nationally Teacher Appreciation Week. And I just want to take a minute to honor all the teachers, educators, uh, both Lake County uh, online, as well as here in Apopka. If you have been or are, and even if you're retired, would you go ahead and stand up? All the teachers, educators, administrators, go ahead and stand up right where you're at. Stand up, 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 stand up. Stay standing, stay standing. Stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. Isn't that awesome? Ah, 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 I see you in the back trying to sit. No, 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 no. Listen, you make a living out of telling people to sit and stand. Now I get to do that, okay? Everybody stay standing. Lake County, I know Pastor Russell, make them stand, okay? Here, here, church, listen. Everybody, look, please stand for a minute. Listen, I think teachers are valuable in every generation. I think right now, it's one of the hardest places to work and one of the darkest places to be. It is the job of us, the church, to come alongside, pray for them, encourage them, support them, love on them. And I'm just telling you, teachers, what you are doing is making an impact. See? Right there. Okay? <laughs> Last service, one of the people that stood was my third grade PE coach. Listen, what you're doing matters more than you know. Okay, y'all could have a seat. Give them a big round of applause. Thank y'all. Parents, if your kids go to school, this is how you could help. Understand the Bible says all have sinned. All, including the teachers. They're not perfect. So when they make a mistake, what a great opportunity to give grace you don't need to assume they need to, you need to teach them a lesson. There's going to be another parent that's going to try to teach them a lesson. Extend them grace. Pray for them. Email them back an encouraging word because I'm telling you, it is difficult to be a teacher. Let's come alongside them and let's love and support them. Amen? Amen. This is my daughter, Darby. She's my youngest teenage daughter. Yeah, you clap for my daughter, Darby. Unless you're a teenage boy, okay? Ain't nobody got time for that. All right. She, uh, recently she was in a car with some couple parents and some other friends her age. And they asked, one of the, the students, one of the teenagers asked her a question. She said, do you feel pressure because you're a PK, a pastor's kid, and your two older siblings are going into ministry and you're not? You see, Darby's plan is to be a labor and delivery nurse, or as she would call it, a baby nurse. And she, Darby didn't tell me this. Somebody else in the car told me, after asking the question, do you feel any pressure? And she immediately responded, 
with immediate no. And this is what she said. How, could, how cool would it be to be the first one to pray over a newborn baby? See, even as a young teenager, she has vision of what it looks like to, to live in light of eternity. Some people go their whole life never being prayed over, and her vision is to be the first one to pray over a baby. Whatever it is you do, we can do it in light of eternity. Not only can we do it, but we should do it. Today, we had baby dedication in honor of speaking about the next generation. I want to talk about the what I believe is the youngest king to, to lead in Israel. It's King Josiah. If you have a Bible, you can turn to 2 Kings. If you have one of the Bibles in the seat back in front of you, it's on page 335. And we're going to be in 2 Kings. King, uh, king Josiah was the 16th king of Judah. If you were here last week, we talked about Daniel. Daniel was kidnapped from Judah. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. This is what 2 Chronicles 34, 1 and 2 says. We're going to be in 2 Kings, but this is 2 Chronicles talking about Josiah. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Now, there's just one problem with this verse. He did what was right in the eyes and followed the ways of his father, David. His, his father was not named David. His dad was actually named Anon. And his grandfather was Manasseh. You see, this was not his father. What he was referring to is, is a fatherly figure because both his dad and grandfather were wicked and wicked leaders and they did not honor God. And, and some of us, we grow up Maybe in a home where, where you can't look at a godly example. And so you got to go further. You got to go outside. And what he's saying is he followed the ways of his father, David. He's claiming there was a godly person and I followed after him, even at eight years old. Eight years old, he was king. I believe when you study the Old Testament, I think the, the people of Israel looked a lot like a heart rate monitor. This is what it looked like. If you study the Israelites, it's like this. It's like, hey, we love God. Everything's awesome. And then they get comfortable and think they're good. And then they come down here. Hey, we don't need God. And they're like, well, we do need God. No, we don't. Yeah, we need God. And when I look at this, uh, after reading it from my you know, armchair quarterback, I'm like, what a bunch of knuckleheads. Like one generation, they love God, then they leave God. And every time they love God, things are good. And every time they leave God, things are bad. And I'm like, how foolish. And then I look in the mirror. And I think that this could also reflect my life. That there are some days and weeks that I just want more God, more God. And then there's some days and weeks I just want more Sports Center. Y'all don't need to judge me, okay? You see, the days down here, this is when I'm a Dolphin fan, okay? So, this is when I'm a Braves fan, okay? <laughs> And I begin to reflect on the Israelites and think, man, maybe I'm a little bit like that where I'm led more by my feelings than my commitment. And so I can't judge them. And maybe that reflects a little bit like you, but the Israelites were on a down, downward spiral when King Josiah took on. And he turned it around and brought about one of the greatest revival Judah's ever had, the country of Israel and the Israelites have ever had. This is what it says in 2 Kings 23 25 says, neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart, 
with all soul and with all strength in accordance with the law of Moses. Eight years old. Can you think back to what your life looked like when you were eight years old? Think about it. Like, can you imagine being king? I, I know what I look like. This is what I looked like when I was eight. Like, imagine me, I don't even have teeth, trying to give orders. Or imagine me, the soccer ball is bigger than my body, and I'm trying to rule a kingdom. And if I were king, I wouldn't dress like this, I would dress more like this. I'd be like cowboy in charge. Like, all this is me at eight, and here he is at eight, ruling. And some of us think that we have to have all the answers before we can do X. Some of us think before I could lead, I have to know everything. Before I could uh, disciple somebody, before I could be in a group, I have to know so much. And what, what Josiah is saying is you don't have to know it all. He didn't know it all. What he knew is what God was calling him to do that day, and he just had radical obedience. That's what an eight-year-old had is radical obedience. He knew what God wanted him to do that day, and he just walked in it. You don't need to worry about what God wants you tomorrow. What's God calling you to do? today and then have radical obedience and simply doing it. Don't overthink it. What's God calling you to today? For, for all the, the parents dedicating their child, they're like, man, it's so overwhelming. I don't know what to do. Let me just tell you, parents, I've never met a confident parent. I don't care how good their kids are. We're all insecure parents hoping the Lord will rescue our kids. And parents are like, I don't know what to do. Well, you know, today, Tammy just said it. Pray for your kids. You do that today and tomorrow, wake up and God, what do you want me to do next? And just keep going and going and going. So here's the question. What did Josiah do that made him such a great king? It says he's one of the greatest ever. I'm going to run through. I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but I want to walk through bullet by bullet point, kind of based on 2 Kings 23 and tell you what he did. One of the things that this all started is he had a heart for God's temple. Okay. Kind of like an Old Testament church is what a temple is. It's, it's where God's presence was. And the, the temple had not been updated, not been cared for for 200 years. It was falling apart, not just physically, but in that time, a whole bunch of other people started bringing their fake gods and their fake idols to the temple. And they started worshiping them in the temple. So now the temple wasn't full of just God. It was full of all these idols. And people would come there not to worship God, but to worship their man-made idols. It was breaking the heart of God for generation after generation. God was calling the kings, the godly people to clear the temple. And even the godly ones did a lot of good, but they never had the courage to clean out the temple. So Josiah comes in and 23 verse four, it says he removed pagan idols from the temple. Verse five, he got rid of pagan priests. Verse six, he destroyed the Asherah poles. And we're going to get to that in a minute. Verse seven, he tore down the male prostitute apartments, which were on the property. Verse 24, he destroyed all idols and their altars. And so as he's doing this, as he's cleaning out the temple, his team finds the book of the law. If the book of the law would have been, at the very least, it would have been Deuteronomy, but there's a good chance it was the first five books of the Old Testament, which were Genesis, Exodus, Levit Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those books were typically uh, clumped together. And so when it says they found the book of the law, uh, Josiah had not known the book of the law. He had never read it. And now he starts reading it and he panics. He begins to mourn because he realized where they're at and what God's standard was. And there's a big gap. The people of Judah were not living godly lives. They were following the example of his, his dad and his grandfather, and they've been led astray. And so he starts cleaning things, starts leading them in a godly way. 
Even he reinstitutes the Passover. And this is what 2 Kings 23, 22 says. Neither in the days of the judges who led Israel, nor in the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah had any such Passover been observed. So not only is he cleaning things out, he's making it better than they've ever had before. The celebrations of honoring God, he takes to a whole nother level. All starting at the age of eight. He didn't do this all at eight, but that's when he became king. Think about what a resume looks like at eight years old. He didn't have no resume. Sometimes I'll watch uh, TV and see a commercial, no credit, no problem. I think God's tagline is no resume, no problem. And some of us think that in order to have a bucket list to do something for God, we have to have a resume, but God says no resume, no problem. You want to do something big in my name? You don't have a history. You don't have a resume. You've never read the entire Bible. You've never led a Bible study. No problem. No resume, no problem. You're eight years old, but you know what to do. What is right in sight of God? No resume, no problem. And some of us get lured into thinking from the enemy that you have to have a spiritual resume in order to do something big for the kingdom of God. And God says, no resume, no problem. Matter of fact, that's what took place last week. Several weeks ago, there was someone that was here and she was processing her spiritual bucket list. And she put on there, she told me her name's Brittany and Brittany told me several of them. I mean, just powerful. She wants to baptize her kids. Just boom, boom, boom. One of them was she wanted to go on a mission trip. Never been on a mission trip before. She comes to the 830 service because she has to quickly get over to Chili's, which is where she works for the lunch shift. So last week she came to the 830 and then went to the lunch shift and and she's waiting on a table and somehow the conversation of God and church and a spiritual bucket list came up. And the people she was talking to, they, they didn't recognize any of the conversation from my understanding, but there was somebody that overheard the conversation and they heard spiritual bucket list. And that table goes to journey. And she didn't know that. And so they said, hey, hey, come here. What was that you're talking about spiritual bucket list? And she said, Brittany said, well, I just, I feel like God's called me on a mission trip. I've never been before. No resume, no problem. I've never raised that much money before. No resume, no problem. And the couple said, we want to do whatever we can to help you get there. Here's a thousand dollars to help you cover the expenses. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? No resume, no problem. Some of the stories I shared earlier to the story right now, one of the things I love about you is that you have one eye on your own spiritual bucket list, but you have another eye on helping other people accomplish their bucket list. And I love that about you. I love your generosity. I love your heart to help come alongside people like Brittany. And now she's fired up, not just about going on the vision trip. She's thinking, man, if God could do this, what else can God do in my life? Because here's what I know. Generosity never is about that one thing. It always speaks more on a spiritual level. And that's what Brittany got to experience firsthand. And I love that. Last week, we talked about Daniel. And we talked about how Daniel was kidnapped from Judah. And he went from a bright light and he was put into a dark culture and he shined bright there. What's interesting to note is that Daniel was actually born in Judah, which is where Josiah was king at the end of Josiah's reign. 
So you, you need to understand because Daniel was well-educated. Daniel understood and knew who Josiah was. He understood that there was a godly example of what it looks like from a young age to follow after God because Daniel was a teenager when he had all those uh, big things that God used him for. And so now you got Daniel understanding what it looks like because he had an example. But Josiah didn't have that example. So here's, here's, my, here's my point. If you don't have an example, be one. Some of you are like, man, I, man, you don't understand. I'm, I'm the first one in my family to even follow Jesus. If you don't have an example, be one. You don't understand the impact that you're going to have on somebody else down the road. This is my brother, Dwayne. My brother, Dwayne, lives in North Carolina. We're just being weird there. I don't even know what we're doing. But <laughs> my brother, from a young age, followed the Lord. A lot like Josiah. He wasn't a king, but to me, he may as well been. You see, he taught me what it looked like to be a bright light for Jesus in a public school where we were surrounded by many, many lost people. He showed me what it meant to go against the current, to be around lost people, but not to take on their ways. And so for me, this picture and him reminds me of 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I don't know if my brother had an example, but he didn't complain about it and say, I don't have an example. Instead, he became one. And so, Dwayne, I, I know you're watching. Listen, I just want to say thank you. I love you. Grateful for how you shine and radiate the love of Jesus, not just in high school, but even now. And uh, just grateful, grateful for you. If you don't have an example, be one. Told you we'd circle back to the Asherah Poles. You see, an Asherah pole was this big telephone pole that these people made up to, to worship a fake God. So they didn't just make up a fake God. Then they made up these idols to worship. And it. it's just this big telephone pole that they were put in the temple to worship. I want you to listen to what Josiah did to those telephone poles in 2 Kings 23, 6. He took the Asherah pole from the temple of the Lord to the Kidron Valley outside Jerusalem and burned it there. Destroyed it. But that wasn't good enough. He ground it to powder and scattered the dust over the graves of the common people. Like when I say my man cleared the temple, he cleared the temple. <laughs> cleared the temple. He's like, man, we're going to get rid of any, any inclination of worshiping anything other than God. And here's what's cool. When they started clearing the temple, God gave them the word. God gave them the law, the book of the law. Here's my second point. You never know what's on the other side of obedience. I don't know what God's calling you to do today. I just know this. You don't know what's on the other side of obedience. Josiah knew he was supposed to clean out the temple. He had no idea that the law was waiting on the other side. You don't know what's on the other side of obedience. In a minute, I'm going to show you a video to illustrate that. But I just want you to know during this video, you're going to you're going to get a bucket and the bucket's going to be full of these little sticks. And what I want you to do during this video is just grab the bucket, take one of these out and then pass the bucket to your neighbor. This is going to be a pop quiz, a social experiment to see if we can do this. I think we can. With that said, check out this video. This is a crazy story. So like six months going by, it's at a point where, you know, I'm not really making money, but I'm loving it. I'm loving stand-up comedy. I'm making great relationships with comedians, comedy clubs. I haven't paid my rent in like a month. I'm like, mom, you know, the rent, where's the rent at? She's like, are you reading your Bible? 
I said, Mom, come on. I don't have time to talk about that right now. Mom, I'm late. Like, I need the rent money. Are you reading your Bible? Mom, no. When you read your Bible, then we'll talk about rent. Another week, two weeks go by. Mom, they're going to evict me if you don't give me this rent money. Mom, I'm serious. Have you read your Bible? Yes. Okay, well, then let's talk about rent. Mom, I don't want to talk about the scriptures. I need the, I need the money. A month go by, I got eviction notice on my door. They're about to kick me out. I'm like, Mom, I go to her house, I got the eviction notice. She said, talk to me when you read your Bible. I said, I can't talk to you right now, I just leave. <laughs> I go home, I said, man, let me open this Bible up. Open the Bible up, six rent checks fall out. She put all my rent checks. Oh my goodness. She put all my rent checks. From that six months throughout the rest of the year, they were all there. Oh, I opened it up. My I felt goodness. like the biggest jerk ever. I sat there, and that was the first time I tried to read from the Bible. I read about two chapters, and I said, Mom, I'm sorry. I said, I just opened up the Bible. That is a beautiful story. That she, is a woo-hoo. She said, I asked you to read it because you need to stay faithful along your journey. I said, okay. I said, I get it. I'm, Mom, I will. That cool? Some of y'all are going to go home and read your Bible today. Some of y'all are taking the Bibles in the seat back and you're just opening them. <laughs> Let me just help you. We ain't Oprah, okay? We ain't got that. The point is, you don't ever know what's on the other side of obedience. For Kevin Hart, it was his rent. If he just would have gotten the word, it was more than the word. And let me just tell you, when you get in the word, it is way more valuable than a mortgage payment or a rent check. I'm telling you. You get in the word. What's interesting in the Old Testament, God's temple was a building. But then in the New Testament, we learn, and Paul talks about this, Jesus talked about this, that the temple is no longer a building. You are God's temple. And here's the scary truth God's word got lost in God's temple. Think about that. In the Old Testament, story of Josiah, God's word got lost. And God's simple. They had to go and clean it out to resurrect the word. And if you and I are now the temple, when was the last time you did a little inventory? You cleaned house of your temple. Kind of shook off the cobwebs to see what God is doing in and through his word. This is what Psalm 119, 11 says. I've hidden your word in my heart that it might not sin against you. 2 Kings 23, 25 says this again. Never before had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all his heart and soul and strength, obeying all the law of Moses. And there's never been a king like him since. How do you do that? How, do, how is something said about you like that at the age of eight you start out? It's simple. God told him to tear down the Asherah poles. And he didn't hesitate. He just did this. He just said, done. God, whatever you want, done. And I wonder today if one of the things that might be stopping you from doing what God's calling you to do, from doing what's on your spiritual bucket list, is that you're doing a lot of good things, but you're not removing the astral poles of your life. You're not removing the things that God's calling you to remove. God's saying, hey, listen, I want you to remove that relationship. Hey, listen, I want you to remove that pride. I want you to remove this. I want you to remove that. Instead, we're trying to live with both and, and it doesn't work like that. We got to clear the temple. 
And so today I, I wonder what, what is the astral pull of your life that's an obstacle from you living for God? For some of you, it might be fear. God's calling you to do something, to be something, to say something. And instead, we're kind of accidentally worshiping what we're telling ourselves instead of what God's telling us. And when God tells us something, it's never a conversation. He doesn't want our feedback. It's not a recommendation. It's a yes, sir. Clear the temple? Yes, sir. Why? Because you don't know what's on the other side of obedience. You have no idea. Brittany has no idea what's waiting for her in Ecuador. And I love that. She has no idea. In a moment, Lake County, Apopka, in a moment, we're going to continue our time of worship. What I want to encourage you to do is just pray through what is the Asherah pole in your life? And you could just symbolically break it and just take a moment to pray over that. Last service, it was pretty cool. We just had people, I didn't even think of this as a great idea. We just had people come down and they just laid their broken Asherah poles on the altar and they just prayed over it and left it there. You can do that. You come forward, you can lay it down and leave it there. One thing I would encourage you to do is just don't leave it in your seats. We don't want anybody tripping over it. You could break it if you keep it. We have trash cans on the way out. We'd love to be able to just help process what God might be doing in and through you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you. I thank you for your patience for me, your patience with all of us as we too often look very similar to the spiritual yo-yo that the Israelites were. And instead of us judging them, we're actually more like them than maybe we'd like to think. And so God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that no matter how far gone, you're always eager to forgive us and bring us back. And God, I don't know what's stopping us today from doing your will, but would you help us to fully surrender to whatever it is you're calling us to do? God, that there's a lot of voices in and outside of our head, but would we only listen to the voice that's up? Yours. And God, if we're honest, it's not always easy. We need your help. We need your strength. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. If this message was a blessing to you, be sure to click the follow button and share it with your family and friends. For more information about Journey Christian Church, please go to journeychristian.com.